0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Hey guys, my name is Zach, and I'm a servant here at Relevant Church. Let me say one thing and be perfectly frank. I shouldn't be here today. In all truth, I should be dead. Now that sounds kind of dark and twisted, I know, but... I nearly died three times on my grandparents' farm, and it was—it was a strange death. It would have been embarrassing, like a barn door fell on kid. Kid nearly blew up on motorcycle with his uncle. And they'd be kind of silly, but the other seven times they nearly died were kind of my fault. They were when I was drinking, and some are really silly, some are really scary. Uh, it just kind of falls in that area where, you know, I. I was just drinking to excess and I started drinking at twenty-one, so it didn't really make sense that I would lose control. I thought, Oh, I'm so safe, I'm just socially drinking. I started at a legal age, like why why one year later am I having all these consequences? You know, why am I losing relationships, losing money, losing opportunities at work, losing opportunities in college? You know, why am I losing about a year and a half after drinking, why am I losing my license. Alcohol had become my small g god. It had taken over my life. You know, but when I think about it, everyone is addicted to something that kills them spiritually. You know, everyone is addicted to that one thing. Some people say, oh I'm addicted to Netflix binging. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about here is things like negative self-image. I'm addicted to this negative self image that brings on depression. I'm addicted to the spiritual pain. I'm addicted to alcohol, drugs, some people say that. Some people also say I'm addicted to this negative relationship. Some people won't even admit that they're addicted to these things, but they are. When I think of alcohol for myself personally, it it was a spiritual attack, a true 100% spiritual attack and after about a year and a half, I came to that point where I lost all control. I lost every ability to go, no, I'll just leave it. I'll just let it be alone. Alcohol took over my life, and they don't call it spirits for no reason. It's intentional, I believe. But the story about me nearly dying, it's its not so happy. You know, it turns out in 2011, I was going to Bloomington. It was an awesome opportunity. I was so jazzed. I was so happy to be there in that town, in that cool college atmosphere it was exciting but that's when my drinking really really kicked up and it it turned into every week thing and then there was a there was six days in a row where I would say Zach you're not going to drink today today you're not going to do it today you're going to self-will be strong pull your bootstraps up be a big boy and you're not going to drink and every day I lost that battle I would drink and drink. Oh, you want to come out to this area? I would drink. Oh, do I feel strange? I want to drink at home. Okay. You know, it was it was a terrible mess for those 6 days and I kept losing and losing and I felt so defeated and I became depressed. By the 7th day, I thought, I can't do this. I can't do 7 days. This isn't going to happen. This will not happen, I told myself. So, I safeguarded myself every way I could. I thought, okay, I got to hide all the alcohol. I got to tell people I'm not gonna drink. And I went to a friend's house, whom I didn't tell that, to watch a movie with some other people, you know, and I ended up drinking. I ended up drinking to excess. I ended up drinking to oblivion. And I just remember I was standing on the balcony and he lives four stories up. So I was standing four stories up on this balcony and I'm just thinking, why can't I do this? Why do I keep like, Why do I keep losing? Why am I the loser? I thought I had all this potential, but now I'm an all-time loser. I can't stop drinking for a week straight. And I thought, I thought, Zach, maybe you should just jump. That little whisper came into my head. Why don't you just jump? And at this point, I'm very intoxicated. And I black out. I don't know if you've ever experienced a blackout, it's terrifying. You either come out of it or you wake up and you don't know what happened. And I had about two hours, give or take, that were gone. And it was, it was a terrible experience because I remember I came to, walking the streets of Bloomington, totally away from my apartment. And I hit my knees and I just started crying, but I didn't know how to change. I didn't know what was killing me. My, the scales were over my eyes, I couldn't see. So let's talk about Mark V. This is when Jesus meets a demoniac man, he's possessed by demons, and starting at verse 3, we read, The man lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he rinsed the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. So let's go to teaching point one, we can't win spiritual battles with worldly weapons. Worldly weapons cannot defeat the spirits that attack you. The townspeople, they probably gave this man the top five key points to live a sane life, to get over your problems. They probably gave him the old school therapy, whatever that was 2,000 years ago. They tried to chain him up. They tried to stop him from just leaving a room and going out and being this madman possessed by demons, but they couldn't. He broke the chains they had no chance of helping him with their worldly weapons. I can identify with that because no romantic relationship, no advice, no hot tips or tricks to stay sober, no counseling worked to get me to that point where I went, okay, you know what, I don't need to drink, or okay, you know what, I can drink like a normal person. It didn't work, no tip or trick did. Scripture goes on to say night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down to, to him. And crying with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So the spirits didn't want to meet Jesus. They were terrified to meet Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They knew the power he held. They didn't want to lose control of this man because they had freedom in this man. They wanted to keep their power, but they knew it wasn't enough to go up against Jesus. So getting close to Jesus was dangerous for these spirits. And when I think about that, people tried to tell me about Jesus, but I refused to listen. I said, whoa, you know what? That's good for you, but don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't want to hear it the spirits inside of me knew that it was dangerous to get close to jesus and i would sometimes i would even get angry i would get upset i would say you know what get out of my face don't talk to me about this i'm okay or i would just simply walk away and ignore the person so let's jump back into verse 8 and we read for he was saying to him come out of the man you unclean spirit and jesus asked him what is your name he replied My name is Legion, for we are many. When you think about spiritual attack, one spirit came in, but so many more entered after him. They always bring their friends. You know, alcohol was the root problem right there, right? Low self-esteem, depression, anger, suicidal thoughts. They all came along with the buddies. They all joined the gang in my life. So he had Legion in him. We get a legion in us if we let it take control. And the, and the evil spirits, they begged him earnestly, do not send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us out of the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank, into the sea, and drowned in the sea. This makes me think of when my brother evangelized me, he, he did it in a very strange way. Um, he told me, Zach, I can see the brokenness in your life, I can see the torment, I can see the pain, and then he started talking to me about Star Wars. It didn't make sense. I was like, how can you say that, and then talk to me about Star Wars? You know, he talked to me about Luke, Leia, all the, all the movies, the everything like that. But then, about an hour into the conversation, he shifted and started talking about Jesus. He saw that I enjoyed Star Wars and he had an end to get me kind of interested in a conversation with him. And when he started talking about Jesus, he started to run with the conversation, started telling me everything that happened in his life, how Christ changed him, how Christ was moving in his life to help him be a better father, help him in his work life, help him in his personal life. And it made me want something different, but I didn't know I needed Christ at the moment. He ended the conversation by saying, Zach, will you follow Jesus? Will you trust and follow Jesus? And I would give him every excuse. He said it three times, and I would say, it's good for you, but it won't work for me. Oh, the moment's not right. I don't think God would want someone as broken as me. Why would he use a crazy loser like me? And my brother simply said, Zach, Jesus used broken people in the Bible. He would take what's not working, and he would make it work. That's how God does it. So, teaching point two, Jesus is the ultimate weapon in spiritual battles. Um, So, in verses 14 to 17, the people, who just lost all their pigs, by the way, a lot of their their livelihood, they run up and they go, what just happened? They see the pigs gone, and then they see the demon-possessed man relaxing there, sitting by Jesus, talking to him, learning from him. He's actually a sane human being who isn't scratching himself with stones or crying out in tombs, he's just relaxing, hanging out like one of the guys. And they're perplexed by this. They're upset about the pigs, they don't understand what the spiritual thing that just happened, how this man can be saved after they did all this work to change the situation, and it didn't work uh, for the man. So they were upset for multiple reasons, and they said, Jesus, will you please leave? Please, just go. So, Just remember, though, that this man was sitting with Jesus, he was learning from Jesus, and gaining insights from Jesus, even though it was just a short amount of time. But jumping back into verse 18, we read, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons, he begged him that he might be with him. Jesus changed his life, literally in a second. He totally shifted the momentum of his life from destruction to salvation. From anger, malice, tears in a tomb, to peace. This man wanted to be with Jesus. He said, I need to go with you. But Jesus says this. He says, Scripture goes on to say, And Jesus did not permit him, and said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So, the Decapolis was a 10 city-state in Rome. It was this huge area, had some metropolitan areas. Um, he went there right after he met Jesus. He told his, his story, you know. Jesus expels the evil spirits from this man, teaches him, and sends him to proclaim the miracle he has done. The man was so grateful that he said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm just going to go out to the city and teach everything that you taught me and tell everyone about the experience that I had with you. So he went out and he spread the word of Jesus. And the most amazing thing is when everyone heard it, they probably knew who he was because he was a notorious demoniac man who cried in the tombs, who no one could chain. He was a legend probably in this area. And Jesus miraculously healed him. So, everyone marveled at this. Teaching point three, we spread the good word, but Jesus does the good work. Let me say that again. We spread the good word, but Jesus does the good work. We don't change people's hearts. We just tell them about the good news that will change their hearts. So, when my brother was evangelizing to me, when I think about it, when he was telling me about Jesus, he's really really inspired to do that he has a lot of enthusiasm when he does that he loves telling his testimony what jesus did for him and he loves bringing people to christ but he doesn't have the same passion for teaching you know he said zach go read the bible and i went oh okay so i went and read the bible and it left me with more unanswered questions than i had answers i i was like i don't know what this means i don't know what that means what is jesus doing here What is?" the whole Old Testament about, I don't know what I'm getting into. So, I felt unqualified to even just read the Bible on my own. So, naturally, I felt unqualified to serve in the church. I felt unqualified to be on leadership teams. I felt unworthy to be called a leader in the church. Pastor Moo took kind of sense this, I think, and he, he asked me to join Relevant Leadership College. I was extremely hesitant. I went, You know, that sounds great, but I want to go do a master's degree over here. I want to go do social work. And God totally, I bought the books, I had the classes ready. Then God, I was praying about it, and I heard him say, Zach, I don't want you to do this. I could feel that. I don't want you to go into this. And I was like, well, God, I need a sign. I need a sign. And then I go to church the next day, and this man sparks up, a man I haven't seen, who's from California, the other relevant church. I haven't seen him forever, for about a year, and he starts a conversation with me about going into ministry randomly. So I went, okay God, I'm going to do this. And um, Pastor Muda also told me that Jesus equips us. We can feel unequipped, but Jesus is going to equip us, especially through the local church we're at. And he challenged me to run towards what Jesus was calling me to do. It was difficult. and I felt so uncomfortable doing it, but it changed my life. So joining RLC was an experience because all the students that I was with, Sarah, Lewis, and Allison, and Pastor Muta, they'll tell you that I was extremely difficult. They're right. It's true. I was very, very, very difficult. You know, the first day I said, I don't want to be here, but God is telling me to be here. So I'm here. And they were all like, well, thanks for shifting the momentum of everybody's cheerful nature in the class. Like, thanks, bud. But uh, there was so much growth that occurred in my life through RLC. You know, I learned so much about scripture, so much about leadership, that it changed not only, like, my work in the church, it changed my life in general. So let me tell you about some areas that changed through RLC. Um, My interactions with family and friends totally shifted. It went from self-centered interactions to you first, me second interactions where humility was a part of my life which I didn't know or use at all. But, you know, God taught me humility through RLC. He taught me that I was somewhat arrogant and I had to lose that that train of thought. I had to lose that mindset, you know, that I was special. Um, the only thing that was making me special this time now is Jesus and So many good things are happening in my life. Um, Other things that happen is praise at work. When I was at work, it would be like, I wanna get in, do my job, and get out. I don't wanna grow anybody else. I don't wanna interact. I don't wanna do this. I don't, I don't, I don't. But through RLC, I learned a whole shift in my attitude. I was part of the team now at work. I would help others. And this not only reflected in my relationships with them, it reflected in how the management at my work, how they viewed me, how they treated me, and how they respected me. You know, it was strange to hear going from living as a drunk who lied, cheated, and manipulated people, to someone at work where your manager says, Zach, I trust you. You're honest. And It it surprised me. It was like, wow, you trust me? So, those kind of things happen. You know, able to lead inside and outside the church. Work, church, other areas too, just other serving areas in the community. Um, Better understanding of the Bible, how God moves in my life and the faith um, that I'm giving my life to. It, It gave me this huge sense of peace. You know, the Holy Spirit really moved into my life through going through RLC. The most special thing that I got from going into RLC was actually feeling confident to lead and then through that being obedient to Jesus, seeing other broken people, other prodigal sons and daughters come to Jesus. Learn about leadership. Learn about the gospel. Learn how God can move in their life. And that was amazing to see. And it's nothing special about me. It's Christ working through me as a vessel to help other people. So, let's talk about teaching point four. We have to grow before we go. Let me say that one more time because this is extremely important. We have to grow before we go. The demon-possessed man, he had to grow with Jesus even though it was just a short time. But Jesus worked a huge miracle in his life, changed his perspective, talked with him for probably at least an hour, and sent him on his way. So we have to grow before we go. I had to grow before I could teach in Relevant Leadership College, which has been a huge experience for me. It's changed my life. It's fulfilling. It's extremely awesome. Um, I had to grow before I could stand here and talk to you, which wasn't possible a few years ago. You know, it takes intentional learning from outside leaders to change not only your, your way you see faith, but the way you lead. It takes intentional learning from outstanding leaders to grow and then go. So the importance of gospel-centered leadership It changed my relationships. It changed my work uh, values and system and how I operate in my job. It changed how I operate in my church. It changed my whole life. And when you think about the importance of growing and going, let's think about when the apostles got kicked out of Rome. They had nowhere to go. And then they go, okay, we'll go try this Decapolis, these ten cities over here, and see what happens. And then they got there, and they saw this thriving community of believers Why did that happen? Because one man, he grew with Jesus, and then he went in and made a tangible difference in his community and region. In those 10 cities, he made a huge change by going and telling his story, his testimony, and telling what Jesus Christ did for him. So that's why we need to grow, then go. Some of you may be identifying with the demon-possessed man, right? You may be seeing some flaws in your life or some, some area of your life where you're like, this is attacking me. This is a spiritual battle that I'm in. You may be identifying with me in my story of everything, really, in the story from the beginning to the end. Maybe you're just at church, and you feel unequipped, inadequate to serve. But whoever you're identifying with, um, Jesus wants to teach you. Jesus wants you to grow, and the local church is the best vehicle for that. So I'm going to challenge you because I think there are some business leaders. I think there are some church leaders. I think there are some evangelists. I think there are some community leaders that are watching this right now who are unequipped. They're not ready. They're saying, I have this plan. I have this idea. I have this goal. But I haven't written it down. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the confidence to do it. How do I act? How do I lead? How do I change my attitude to grow and then go? So I would challenge you to join Relevant Leadership College. At least sign up today because that's how I learned. That's how I grew. That's how I was able to go into the community, make a difference, be a part of a church, be a leader at my work, be a leader with my family. The last thing I'll say to you is that Jesus wants us to make a tangible difference in our community, region, and world. So we do have to grow before we go. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.